All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 270. The Clippers and Lakers are trending upward. How is the rest of the season going to pan out? John Moran has checked himself into rehab. we got to talk about the picture that surfaced. There's three MVP candidates. Who are we going to pick? And Drew has some condolences flowers to give out. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 270. Drew's got a new ring light on his computer right now. We see him bright as day. We've been having issues with the lighting in Drew's new crib, but he's looking really good. I appreciate you getting that, Drew. Yeah, it's nice to be able to see my own face when I'm talking to you. It was weird. It was like being in a dark cave. So this is refreshing. And yeah, I look good right now. You do look Skin looks good, which is strange. From what I can see, because today, once again, guys, I had to go back to Dr. Guck, my eye doctor. Man. And put in another. Did I mention the stem cell contact on the last one? I think you did. I did. So they put another stem cell contact in my right eye now. I didn't know that these were $3,000 at all. But (laughs) for whatever reason, my left eye is doing good. The right eye is not so much. I had two dudes fingers in my eyes today. So Mm. I'm bright red. I should be wearing the shades. But. You know, Piggy, going back off of of last week, Drew, I've kind of I've kind of come off the ledge with the Clippers for a minute. I know I was over the ledge <laughs> last week. I was going to change my name to Knicks five five five, but as of this week, I've slowly like gotten off the ledge. I'm almost back into the hotel room, full right now. Um, Clippers won three in a row. I'm stoked right now. Yeah. We need a lot more. We have a huge game coming up tomorrow against Golden State. Everything is so close in the West right now, but you know, I wanted the Clippers to um, start gelling, right? Better late than never. It seems like we're gelling right now. Uh, Russ hasn't been playing in the fourth quarters, but there's an interesting stat for all you Russ on the Clipper haters out there. The Clippers offensive rating is 117.1 when Westbrook is on the court and 109.6 when he's off. That's the difference between having the second best offense in the NBA and the second worst. So wow. something's got to be working with Russell. Do you have the defensive numbers too? I don't want to talk about defense. Don't oh, okay, want to talk about okay, the defensive okay. numbers. Okay. I, know, I know we're low. Uh, we're, yeah, I know we're not that great. But look, we got to focus on the bright side. Bright yeah. side is we look like we're gelling pretty well right now. Uh, I think Russ has been playing good. Kawhi has been just on a tear as of lately. And he obviously doesn't give a shit because it was funny. I think our our boy Tomer asked him after the game if he checks if he checks um the NBA standings. And Kawhi's like, not really. They they're not gonna save you. So, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was upset with podcast P dropping the podcast, but he's been they've won three in a row since he dropped yeah. the podcast. So <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, man. Look, this game tomorrow against Golden State is huge for us. The, no. I think the, they're a half game ahead of us right now, or we're tied, excuse us, but they own the tiebreaker as of right now. We have to win this game. It's important to close out this season. Um, what, do you, what are you seeing from the Clippers lately, man? Well, they're putting it together. I mean, after that Memphis comeback, the, the wins against Toronto and the Knicks were pretty good. Um, the Knicks win was, was pretty – was maybe one of the better performances, like – 
start to finish for the Clippers that I can remember. I've been watching so much basketball. It's hard for me to, to go back in my brain and exactly remember uh, how that game went. But you kept the Knicks to 95 total points. Uh, and anytime you can keep an NBA team below 100 points, you're doing something correct on the defensive end. But Kawhi's been a monster. I think Paul George has been playing really well. Uh, and it they are starting to tighten it up a little bit on the turnovers. And that's been, you know, that's been exactly what we've been talking about with this Clipper team uh, is a little bit less of Morris <laughs> and and a little bit less of the turnovers. Um, and they had 17, which is still a pretty good, a pretty big number uh, against Toronto. Let me see what the what the stats were against the Knicks and eight turnovers against the Knicks, eight total turnovers. And so that's that's kind of the quintessential Clippers performance. If you could if you could try to replicate anything. Uh, from the last few games to like move forward and and like let's do that every game if possible. That game against the Knicks is a great is a great way to do it. Uh, obviously, it's nice when Kawhi has almost forty at thirty eight points in that game, uh, but still, it's the turnovers that we we are hoping that they capitalize on taking advantage of of holding on to that ball and just being that you can you can survive missed shots. Right. If you if you're getting open looks and you're missing them, you can survive a game like that. But if you continue to turn the ball over and not be able to even get a missed shot, that's when you're going to be at your worst. I think the good news for the Clippers, though, as we look down the line for the finish line for them is they don't have a really rocky road to finish here. Uh, You have this really pivotal game against the Golden State Warriors, uh, which is what's that tomorrow? That's that's going to be tomorrow evening. Yes. Tomorrow night. But then after that, it's, uh, you know, Orlando, Portland, OKC twice, the Pelicans, Chicago, Memphis twice. That, that'll, those will be pretty big games there. That's March 29th and, and March 31st. Then you see the Pelicans again. We have our final Lakers-Clippers match, uh, the third to the last game, and then Portland and Phoenix. So really, like, within that last run, you have one, two, three, four, five, maybe six important games, the games that might, you know, really be tough for you to win. And so I do think the Clippers can really kind of finish strong here. They should be able to finish strong. And I know, you know, that the, the thing that will convince us the most about whether or not they're actually going to be a deep run type of an NBA playoff team this year is how they do against the teams they're supposed to be in this rundown, right? Like against the Oklahoma cities, the Portland, Orlando, Chicago, the Pelicans, especially because they're in shambles since the Zion news just took their season and just drove it right into the ground. Uh, so all of those teams, you should be beating. And that's how, for me, that's how I'll judge whether or not they're like fully, you know, locked in and, and potentially ready to make a, a really deep run in the Western conference. If they stumble and stutter and, and, you know, you can lose one or two of those games against the tough opponents. But if you, if you start losing a bunch to those other guys, that's when I'm going to get nervous about, you know, where this Clipper team can finish. Yeah. We're, we're completely healthy minus Norman Powell should be back soon. We're definitely missing him. Eric Gordon's been playing really well. T-Man's been playing really well. I'm fine with Russ not in the fourth quarter. Obviously, Ty sees something that's working, and that's what has been working. I mean, still, the infatuation with Marcus Morris. I made a joke Mm. uh, the other day in our group chat that, you know, I'm pretty sure that Marcus and Markeith played the the old switcheroo like they did in high school. And we've actually been playing with Markeith the past couple of weeks, but Marcus was actually pretty big for us in that, in that Knicks game. He's trying to yeah. find his stroke. His, his stroke's been busted, man. And Ty Lue kind of went to, to bat for him and was like, look, Marcus has been with us through the trenches for a long time. These are our guys. Uh, so he, he, I think he's riding him a little too much. It's, it's still baffling to me that 
Robert Covington hasn't played in what seems to be months, right? He got garbage yeah. time in one of those wins. But the one thing I do notice, Drew, and I appreciate is even when Russ is out in the fourth quarter, Rocco is the first guy cheering on every single player on that team. There's a reason why Rocco is, is liked in all these locker rooms, right? And I'm pretty sure his number is going to be called at some point, whether it's going to be a playoff game or one of these final games over here to get, to get uh, you know, maybe some, some breathing room for, for PG and for Kawhi. Uh, who's been playing a lot of minutes. Like if anybody needs a rest, it's probably Kawhi right now, but mm -hmm. I think EG has been playing a lot better. We're seeing a lot, uh, a, a lot better performances from Terrence Mann. So I'm okay. I'm nervous about tomorrow. The thing about golden state, they've won eight in a row at home and lost eight in a row on the road. These guys mm -hmm. are not a good road team right now. We all know that. And when it comes to the playoffs, you know, that's going to, you know, come into play a lot. They seem to be hitting their stride as well. I mean, last night, Clay just went off, went nuclear, nuclear once again with eight threes. Steph is back and doing what Steph does. Uh, Draymond was automatically post, uh, you know, dropping a podcast immediately after <laughs> the game last night. But it's so close that, like you said, every one of these games matter. And this is where you need to lock in heading into the playoffs. Cause we really don't, I know where we're going to, we're going to do our best to look at matchups here on this show, but like, I have no idea who the hell we're going to play because yeah. what's crazy. I, I have no idea because drew right. last time we recorded, we were in the eighth spot, right? We yep. went from, from four to eight and then we're at five and then, you know, golden state wins. We're at six. So I, I have no idea, honestly, uh, I'm starting to think that I, I, we're not going to be able to get Dallas. I don't think so. Cause Dallas is in shambles too. Like without, without Luca and Kyrie playing like drew, you've watched them play. This is, this is not good basketball, especially on the defensive end. But um, I kind of want to bring something else up about the Clippers and, and tell me if you've seen this, you know, you know that they're dropping a new movie, right? The Sterling affairs. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I think I, I, I haven't seen like a trailer for it, but I saw, I think it was tied, maybe tied in with the the announcing of the like the most recent update about the the stadium for the Clippers. I saw something like tangentially from that, and then I saw a picture of the of the cast of characters who will be playing these individuals, including what looked like the the funniest looking Blake Griffin I've ever seen. Drew, somebody needs to be fired. Okay, it's like you look at you look at it from top to bottom. You're like, okay. Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy is going to play Sterling. You're like, oh, I like that. And you're like, Lawrence Fishburne is going to play Doc. I'm like, ah, I, I really like that. Then they got the homie Sheldon Bailey, former Venice Beach uh, All-Star, known Shell for a while. He's playing DeAndre Jordan. I'm like, okay, that, that works. And then you get to C.P. Blake and Matt Barnes, and you're like, who – Who's in the casting department for this, right? Because if you – look, bro, Matt Barnes isn't playing right now. Get Matt Barnes to play Matt Barnes. Blake Griffin ain't doing shit right now. Get Blake to play Blake. It's like how do you go through all of these people in Los Angeles and you choose these three people? God, I'm going to post this picture again on our page. If you look – like the CP guy, the guy that's playing CP, you're like, okay, I can see it. But the Blake – the Blake and the Matt Barnes – dude. Oh boy. I, I have no idea. I'm really excited about it. Hopefully this isn't going to be like a huge acting roles like CP and Blake and, and Matt Barnes. Those characters are really just playing basketball and hopefully it's more doc and Ed O'Neill and you know, what whatever's going on between them. But look, man, I know I, 
I know I ripped Showtime to shreds, right? Like I hated. We both did. Showtime was garbage. <laughs> this looks like it has potential to be even more garbage than yeah. Showtime, right? Where where is it? Is it HBO? Who's doing it? I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm not sure. I should some, know. This. I mean, you know, those are not small names, right? So I'm assuming it's attached to like a decent, like Netflix or Amazon, you know, HBO, something like that. So we got to we got to do some research because I am very nervous about it, especially after that Showtime catastrophe. I thought that that Showtime thing was like a funny show. I think I think if I didn't have such Laker loyalty and like history with the team, I would have found it much more like amusing and and, you know, just as a as a show kind of entertaining. But it was terrible. I mean, Jerry lawsuits in a (laughs) Jerry lawsuit. uh, That's new nickname. Jerry West is in a lawsuit uh, right now. Uh, for the portrayal of that character, <laughs> yeah, Jerry West and, was just a raging alcoholic, right? yeah, and uh, and, and a you know and a and a womanizer and like a he would he would just beat people up, I, you know, he just he was he was portrayed like a legitimate crazy person, and I don't think you can have the success that he has had with so many different franchises if that truly was Jerry West, but who knows, you know, who knows? Well, I'm definitely gonna watch it. I mean, I have to watch it, but I just yeah. think they could have done a much better. Uh, I think it's better for us if it's terrible. Then we can just rip them to shreds again. Like that's kind of what I'm hoping for. It's just like a just a terrible, terrible show. I do. I will say that having Ed O'Neill and and Lawrence Fishburne makes me think it 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 might actually be like good, right? But like there was pretty big names in, in the Lakers one too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Well, the thing is, is you know, I I think it was thirty for thirty podcast, and I I I may be wrong, but I think it was Ramona Sher- Shelburne that did the 30 for 30 podcast about the Sterling. I remember uh, that. It, and it was awesome. It was a four part series. You don't like, honestly, you don't need a movie about this. Like that podcast was so well done. It was right. a four part series. I think a documentary would serve it better than a, than an adaptation. Yeah. Have the real guys talk about it. Like all these yeah. guys have podcasts now and, and they love to talk. Literally Tell the all real of them. Story, yeah. Right. <laughs> Just, I, I don't know. I'm, I just when you look at this picture, you're like, oh shit. So speaking of your Lakers, Drew, uh, what are you what are you thinking right now? What's going on? Your boy D has been playing really well, yep. coming back from injury. Uh actually he's been putting up some crazy numbers since the injury. He's at 30.5 points per game, five boards, and almost nine dimes a game. I mean, he hasn't played a lot, but he seems to be happy and fitting in well. And you know, LeBron posted his his usual uh post today, his tweet of it's the it's the cartoon of him in the in the chamber with the mask on, meaning like, yo, I'm 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 about ready to come back. Right. So which seems like he does this every single year. But yeah. you got LeBron coming back soon, hopefully. We don't really know when that's gonna happen. What are you yeah. thinking, man? You're you're rising up the ranks right now. Well, we are in the nine seed clips. So that I mean that's a little bit of a celebration. It's the first time we've been that high in the standings, I think, and since like since week one or week two. It's been a long time since we've been in single digit seed territory for the Western conference. Uh, and I, I called it, you know, a few weeks ago with this new roster after the trade, we're going to push, we're going to make it to the play in and we're doing that. We're going to do it. We had a tough loss against the Knicks um, that, you know, set us back a little bit, but before that we, we were pretty much rolling there for a little while. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, it sorely needed, you know, with, with LeBron being out and, uh, you know, I like Schroeder sometimes and some nights I hate Schroeder. So I'd love to see more D'Angelo Russell and more Austin Reeves, who, who was uh, uh, just an awesome, awesome version of himself in D'Angelo uh, Russell's absence. Austin Reeves was playing tremendously and getting physical and dunking. He had one game with four or five dunks in it clips. 
so I, I really, really like this team. And with how open the West is, as we continue to talk about, there's no reason why we can't, you know, continue to move forward up these rankings. Now, the Knicks game was just a bad night for Anthony Davis. I'll be honest with you that D'Angelo Russell did everything he could. Uh, and he was huge for us in that Toronto Raptors win the night, the, the game before that. Uh, but that's just one of those nights where AD just couldn't, couldn't really get a bucket, couldn't get going, uh, still did a decent job on the, on the rebounds, but we're going to lose that game. If Anthony Davis has 17 points. We're probably going to lose the game without a LeBron James accompanying him on the floor. Uh, so I'm okay with that loss. It was, it was, you know, not the best game, but we still were in it and we were scrappy. Uh, and you know, I, I just, I think this is, this is now the time for the Lakers to, to really try and, and capitalize on these wins that we're supposed to win. The Knicks are a good team, right? Like that's a, that's a tough team for everyone to, to be playing and beating. They miss Brunson though, though. They miss Brunson. Yes, of course. Right. And, and that's part of why I was, I was really hoping we would get them right. Like, you know, the Knicks have taken a little bit of turn for the worst since our last podcast where they were, they were rolling, um, you know, on that win streak, nine game win streak. And then he goes out, hopefully Jalen Brunson is fine because, you know, he's, he's a fun, fun player to watch. And it's always fun to have the Knicks be good. Uh, and he, he's what's making them good. So uh, let me take a look at the Lakers schedule coming up here. Uh, so our next game is we play tonight against the Pelicans at five. Uh, so we should, we should be winning that game. It's in new Orleans. Uh, that's a game we, we should really 80s you know, homecoming. Yeah. And that's a big one for the seating, right? Like we're, we're neck and neck with, uh, with the Pelicans right now that we're tied with them actually in the nine seed, they're in the 10 seed. Uh, and we are only a half game out of Dallas in the eight seed. As we mm-hmm. mentioned, they've really slipped uh, and, and kind of fallen down the ranking. So huge, huge momentum builder for us. If we can capitalize on this game tonight, uh, want to see Anthony Davis kind of shake off that last performance, come out big and have a monster game against his old team in his old, old town. Uh, then we have Houston a game. We have to win Dallas. Uh, that's a game we should be really close in. I mean, honestly, the way we're playing our defense and what happened in the last time we met get, we met Dallas, uh, you know, it's hard to tell how how fired up they'll be to play us. But that was our huge twenty seven point comeback. I have to feel like we're going to be confident even without LeBron James in that game. Uh, Orlando, Phoenix, with no Kevin Durant, as we're probably going to touch on, he's now out for you know maybe the remainder of the regular season after a weird ankle turn. Uh, so that's a game that we should be in as well. Uh, that's that's you know that Phoenix is still very good without Kevin Durant, but that's a game we should be in. Then it's Oklahoma City, Chicago twice, Minnesota will be an important one. Houston again, Utah. Then we talked about the Clipper matchup on April fifth, Phoenix and Utah to finish. So really, in that run, I'm not super worried about falling out of the nine seed. I think we will pick up enough wins with or without LeBron James. We'll pick up more if he comes back. And and the news around LeBron, by the way, is that he's going to be reassessed in about two weeks. So if you think about that, that puts us right at the end of March. So maybe he can come back for the last, you know, four or five, six games of the season. That's kind of what we're banking on, unless he's making better progress than than is being reported and he can be out there sooner. But look, we're going to be in the postseason. We're going to be in the play in and we're going to have to do some damage to one or two teams. You can't get higher than the play in. No, I don't think so. I think the six is probably out of our reach, uh, the six seed. And it's also like a crowded, crowded West as, as you know, as it has been all year. I think I think the seven or the eight is definitely within our reach. As I mentioned, we're a half game out of the eight seed. I think we're two and a half games out of the seven. So, yeah, I think seven's probably the best that we can do. Who knows? I mean, you know, somebody could really shit the bed, but I don't I don't necessarily see that happening. 
and any of the teams in the one through six falling out tremendously. Do you think mathematically the Clippers and Lakers could could get that that series we've been begging for for I every year that we've done this podcast? The more likely scenario, unfortunately, is the Lakers and Clippers in the seven eight matchup, <laughs> like or, right. or rather they like the they somehow in the play in we we end up. That's what I meant. Together. That's what I meant. Oh, then yeah, I mean it's not a series then though. It's only one game. That's the yeah. unfortunate part. Is in that you know hopefully it's one of those things where like if the Clippers fall to the seven and the Lakers are in the ten, right? That's how it goes. It's seven seven versus ten, right? And then right. eight versus nine. So one of those scenarios I think is possible more than us actually meeting for a real postseason matchup this year we're never going to get it no there's just no chance we're not it's not happening this year um you know last week when we dropped uh the cardigan curse uh about jaw in memphis and what was going on you know a lot has happened within <laughs> this past week mm-hmm. since we dropped that show and you know i found it first the the, the police investigation in in denver was so fast drew and i don't i don't Pretty know quick. If, it was so fast so I don't know if, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but I think one of two things happened. One, everybody did what they're supposed to do and kept their mouth shut, right? Said nothing. There was no evidence. They, I mean, I'm sure they did their due diligence and, uh, you know, questioned people. But how do you question people when they're all gone? You know what I mean? Nobody knows who's really there. Everybody shut up. There was no charges brought. So Jaw uh, dodged that bullet, right? Which is good. He checked himself into a new facility in Florida, which is awesome. And then for whatever reason, a, a picture surfaced, which... You know, man, I, I saw the picture. I didn't want to be a part of it uh, as far as Clips and Drew goes. Like, I thought it was so foul on Shotgun Willie's spot. Shotgun Willie's is the, the 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 establishment, the strip club that they were all at. I think Shotgun Willie's shot himself in the foot with releasing that picture. Whoever released that picture of Ja at the strip club, obviously knee-deep in some ass with about – 50K all over the ground, shrimp yeah. scamping. There's it's catered. It's, you know, it is what it is, but there's some things that you just do not do. And whoever was the asshole that 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 screenshotted that and sent it off is is, is a bad human being, right? And that's <clears throat> like kind of like kicking somebody while they're down. You're like this is what happens at strip clubs. You know, I don't know about being, you know, shirt off with 50k on the ground with you know, asshole in your face kind of kind of guy. I've never really done that, but I didn't want to post the picture. It was just such a bad look, Drew. Such a bad look. And, you know, as a PR team for John Morant, you got to be like, oh, shit, there is no way. Like, this is not a good look. But what did you think about that picture? Are you glad we didn't post it and get, you know, I didn't want to post it and, yeah. and, and get all the comments and talk about it? Because I think, man, everybody's been to a strip club. What yep. if, What if, you know, your wife or your girlfriend got a picture of you at the strip club? They know what we do at strip clubs. But yeah. like it's just uncalled for. It's like, it's like a patient, patient, doctor, patient shit, right? You can't talk about it. <laughs> a little confidentiality there. Yeah. 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 Well, I look 23 year old drew would have, would have signed up for that time. That that looked like a fun time. If I, sure if did. I could have, you know, uh, but married man, drew rec- recuses himself from the entirety. I, I think it's a disgusting, disgusting thing. Uh, no, but look, that looked like an awesome time, right? Like that's, it does look like what uh, I would imagine uh, strip clubs around the world look like when wealthy people want to have fun and drop a shit ton of cash. So look, I don't think he was doing anything untoward as far as we could tell from that picture. It's all right. Part and parcel with what the strip club 
would want to be happening in their in their inside of their doors in, in their facility. Uh, I will agree with you that uh, Shotgun Willie's is probably going to lose some business after something like this comes out because if there, was, if there was any celebrities going there prior, there will be none now. Like that shit doesn't go unnoticed in the celebrity circle, especially in the athlete circle. And I think it was Des Bryant, the old Cowboys receiver, who came out and put on blast. He's like, nobody go to Shotgun Willie's. And like that's kind of the, what their their business model needs to change a little bit. It's like. Uh, well, I don't know if that was, you know, the quick cash grab for whatever that, you know, the picture got, you know, in, if for in exchange for going to TMZ or whatever the outlet was that purchased it, even if it was a, a million dollars, which which it definitely wasn't, even if it was that price, you got to look long, long term, unless shotguns trying to get out of the business and sell it. But um, I definitely I'm, I'm happy to hear that jaw has along with, you know, the, the Grizzlies and everyone else involved, got himself checked into whatever facility to work on whatever issue that he wants to work on that he needs to work on to get back on the court. I think this is a great step in the right direction for us, right? Like he's not running away from this. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to you know play the blame game. It doesn't seem or point fingers or, or, you know, whatever. It seems like he's trying to, to do his best to get back on the court, be, you know, the amazing basketball player that he is, the amazing human that he is, I'm sure. Uh, and we all make bad decisions. I don't think the strip club thing was a bad decision, by the way. Like, I think if you're 23 years old and you're yeah. a multimillionaire and you want to blow out a strip club with a bunch of cash and literally have the whole room look like it's like it was snowing in there, but with it's actual Scrooge McDuck, man, it's Scrooge yeah, McDuck. Man. I think that looked like a fantastic time. I, I just I'm hoping that, you know, I think a lot of people might look at that and go like, oh, my God, look at how bad that is. I, I don't think it's bad. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm isolated here. I don't think it's a bad thing that he had fun at a strip club. Uh, I think it's a bad look when, when you look at the bigger picture of like decision making. And maybe he's, you know, doing some some things that he shouldn't be doing as far as drinking too much or partying too much. That kind of thing. Not necessarily within that moment. I just think it's kind of like kicking a man while he's down. Like, look, we totally. all saw what happened. He went to go get help. And like you said, I'm, I'm happy for him, too. And I think it's going to hold some weight with Adam Silver. I mean, we still have an NBA investigation that they're going to have to do regarding the gun and whatnot. But I think everything Jaws doing right now is exactly what he should be doing, which is going to go get help. Yeah. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies had said that they talk to Jaw every day, he calls after games and, you know, he's getting the help that he needs. I think also with this coming into play, that he's probably not going to make an all NBA team right now. And that's going to, yeah. that's going to, that's going to hit him for $40 million. That's the difference between the five year 233 to now it's the five year 194. Now, you know, we all will sit back and say, oh, wow, 194 million, 194 million, like tough, <laughs> tough break. But look, sure. losing 40 mil is losing 40 mil because there's no question John Morant's first team all NBA, right? Yeah. And then something like that. And maybe he still is. I don't think it's going to be with the games that he's missing with this. And there's other people that, you know, maybe a Donovan Mitchell or somebody that steps in and gets that first first team all NBA. But that's a big that's a big hit. And hopefully if he does well in this facility and they speak highly about jaw and uh, Adam Silver will take this as like, you know, a really good sign that he's working on himself and this will not happen again. So I know yeah. I had mentioned on the last show. I thought he was going to be suspended for the whole year. I still think that's up for that's up for grabs. I, th I still think that that can happen depending on, uh, you know, the gun on the plane. If there was a gun on the plane again, like how are you in Denver 
right? You're in Denver and then you can just go to the bank. You just pick up a hundred K for the strip, for the strip. I think he flew with it. I think he flew with it. Damn. You you do. I think so. I mean, who knows? Maybe he has a a trusted bank in in Denver that has the the cheese to withdraw a hundred K. Maybe he wrote them a personal check. Uh, Maybe he wrote a check to the strip club and they provided him with the cash. Well, they could do that. Uh, You know, there's, there's ways to work it out, but I look, I, the, the whole idea that he's not going to be on the all NBA team to me is, is that I'm confused by it. And I'm assuming most people are going, well, he won't make all NBA because he won't play enough games. And last year he played 57 games this year. He's already played 53. The, the year before last, he played 63 games. And, you know, there's, I think there's what they have uh, maybe 12, 14 games left in the season. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on the All NBA. He's having 27 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's close to you know eight, eight and nine assists, something like that, in there. And his team's in the two seed in the West. Uh, he's definitely better than Donovan Mitchell, statistically and otherwise. Uh, I I don't understand. I mean, unless unless the the truth of the matter is that he does not play again this regular season, that would be to me. If he finishes with 55 games played or 54 games played, only comes back for the last one or two. Okay then we can have a real discussion as to whether or not he deserves to be on first, second or third. But if you, if even, even if he misses the whole season, I would have a really tough time removing him from all three of the NBA teams and not being in the top 15. So I just, I understand the, like the reason to bring it up uh, because it does, it matters to his bank account, wherever he banks uh, in the $40 million tune. But I think he deserves to be an all NBA player. And especially if he's only going to miss, you know, he's missed a couple games. Now, if he misses maybe four or five more and he comes back for the last eight, seven games and, and plays well, and there's no other issues and he finishes the regular season, and they go into the playoffs. Why not? He should definitely be a first team all NBA. Well, that kind of ties into like what the CBA and what the players association is talking about right now with them, with the load management, trying to address, uh, to address it. Yeah. as far as not being able to win some of these awards if you haven't played a certain amount of games. And I think that the magic number right now, it's either 54 or 57. I think I think it's 57 games played. But I like it. I think it's a step in the right direction, yeah. right? That'll get players to hopefully play more. But, like, there is pushback on it. They're both – both sides are very open to it, right? But what the uh, the owners aren't really understanding is that, like, CP and CJ were talking about, like, managing – injuries right like if you've had a knee injury if you're Kawhi and you're coming off this knee injury it's not easy to play eight games in a row or whatever and sometimes they need the night off so I think they're trying to come up I think it's a step in the right direction and I think 50 do you think 57 is a good number I think I do I I do I think 57 is a good number it's 25 missed games right that's how it works Mm -hmm. out I, I think the problem that you get down when you when you put a game total on it is you have a lot of the guys will go, cool, I'll play 58. I'll make sure that I'm in whatever contention that I need mm-hmm. to be in. And then maybe I'll rest the rest of the games. Right. You set the bar wherever it is and you have guys always guys and gals in the world. I think I would be one of those people as well, if I'm being honest about myself and my own priorities and motivations. If there's a bar that's set, I want to do that and maybe just one little bit more. Right. Probably why I never really made it as a player. But the uh, the other problem is exactly what you brought up. What do you do with guys that are legitimately injured? Now, most guys that are legitimately injured and have missed more than 25 games don't get voted for all NBA. So that's already within the mix, right? Like, so then it really doesn't necessarily weigh that much more than the decisions we're already making now. 
I think the thing that maybe will eventually come into some sort of middle ground is a reduction in the games period for the regular season, you know, drop it down to a 77 game schedule or uh, 78 or, or, or even 72. And then, and then raise that, raise that bar up to 60 games. Right. So like, let's say you get 72 games regular season in order to qualify for all NBA, you need to have played in 60 or more, unless there was like a legitimately, you know, long-term injury that you still had to fight through. And then we'll let the voters decide. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about, why can't you just get rid of back-to-backs too? Like just get rid of the, that's how you get, that's how you get rid of back-to-backs. Right. Right. It's either you you have to start earlier, mm-hmm. right? Where we just do we we keep eighty two games, we eliminate back to backs, and we start October one or September, you know, end of September, and we keep the schedule out as it is. We space these games out. Then NBA TNT, uh, NBA TV, TNT, ESPN, ABC, all of those get you know less games on a nightly basis, but they're only ever covering four games anyway, and the NBA is just flooded you know, nightly with games, right? Like it, it, that's part of why league pass does so well is because the major channels only cover a fraction of the games that are on in a particular night. And sometimes they get those games wrong and wrong. And there's fucking blowouts. Yeah, like I, I, I honestly don't want to watch Boston anymore. Like Boston, I'm, tired of watching every, Boston. I'm so sick of Boston. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I get it. I understand. And it's, it's, you know, they've had these, these games planned out for months and it's like the other night when it was, I think it was Golden State in Memphis, right? And you're like, okay, well, no jaw, no Steph. I don't think Steph that game. You're like, I don't want to watch this game, mm. you know? So you lose a lot of bread on that. And I love League Pass, but God damn, I'm so tired of Boston Celtics. And I've, I've, I've seen so many 76er games too. A lot of Philly in there right. on national TV. Uh, speaking and of- barely about, any Kings games. Almost, almost, any- no, almost no Kings games in the national register. They finally got one the other night last night and that was yeah. a great game it was Giannis's first game back in three games and whatnot and he just uh I think it was 46 he had they had absolutely no answer for Giannis Herder yeah. had eight threes De'Aaron Fox again I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go in on De'Aaron Fox like we did last week he's just really good basketball player he's perfect for them I still think they're one one player away I don't know who it is yet but they're one player away from being like a legit, legit contender, I think. Um, I don't know who it is, though, Drew, but they are fun to watch. I'm not sold on the deep playoff run yet. And again, it's no. going to be all matchups. I like, I'm, I'd be kind of scared for the Clippers to play Sacktown, even though, you know, I think we could take them in seven games, but like they're just put, they put up points so freaking fast. And for whatever reason, you know, we always talk about situations. Kevin Herter's in the perfect situation and he's loving it there. They got to love Red Velvet in Sacktown, man. Totally. I think Sacramento is so it's just so fun. They're so much fun to watch. And 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 they did lose that game to Milwaukee and got into a little bit of a skirmish at the end there because Trey, Trey Lyles was not taking any shit from from Lopez or Giannis and just decided that he wanted to be scrappy in that moment. Uh, so I think the the Kings, it's interesting because while they don't play a lot of defense, and I think the biggest issue, like if they could have gotten Mason Plumley, I think that would have been big, right? Uh, you know, if they could still maybe even reach out and try to get somebody that's a more of a rim protector shot blocker uh, on their roster that's a free agent, I think that would make a lot of sense for them. But they have guys that can play like, like you know, Davion Mitchell is on that team. 
And that dude is is still clamps in the NBA. He's the problem is he can't really score right now. He can't shoot that well and he can't really score the ball. Uh, but I would love to see, you know, the two two seven, if possible, be the Lakers and the Kings. I would love it. And and not because I'm like overly confident that the Lakers will win. I think that would be a fantastic series. And it brings back so much so much nostalgia and memories from from the good old days from both of our franchises. The good old days with Shaq and Kobe for us, and the good old days with Bibby Vlade and Peja and C Webb and all those guys. Doug Christie, who's on the coaching staff right now with Mike Brown. Um I think that would be awesome. And it would be a great story, right? Either the Lakers prevail and and they, they make a hell of a comeback and we're and we're moving on to the next round with a banged up team that nobody thought was going to get over the hump, including myself or the Sacramento gets to gets their their unbelievable Revenge. redemption, the redemption song. Yeah. Sing it loud. Sing it proud. Light the beam. And uh, I, that's kind of what I hope. It doesn't feel like it's going to go that way because Memphis has now reclaimed the two seed. And it, there's there is enough games for sure left in the season for that to toggle back and forth. Uh, but that's my hope. I hope I hope it's the two seven Lakers Kings. God, that would be that would be fun. I mean, yeah. you definitely own the paint. They had so much, so many problems with Giannis last night. I mean, everybody has problems with Giannis, but it was of like course. met to and Sabonis and like, dude, you're not stopping this. guy. Nope. Nope. You, you have absolutely no chance. So speaking of Giannis, you know. We've been talking about MVP all year. I think it was Luca was the preseason MVP. That's all anybody wants to talk For the about. Third year in a row. He third was the year favorite. in a row. Yeah, Luca's the MVP. <laughs> Luca, they need to figure it out in Dallas for Luca. They just really need to figure this out because Kyrie ain't going to be there next year. You need to bring in some people to help this dude, or he's going to look at it and be like, you know what? Maybe Dallas isn't for me. Maybe he doesn't pull. He doesn't want to do the Dirk Nowitzki thing and stay there his whole career. He'll break Cuban's heart and whatever. But look, <laughs> the race is between three people. I think Tatum has fallen out of that because of the recent stretches that he's had. We're talking about the big man and it's Joker and it's Embiid and it's Giannis. And honestly, I think all three of them can get it. But you know, numbers don't lie. And Embiid deserves it, I think. Embiid has had such a crazy year this year. Uh, more points per game than Embiid in a single season since the merger. Do you know who, who that is? More the people that Who's have averaged average? more points than Joel Embiid right now since the merger. Uh, Wilt. Oh, since the merger? Yeah. Uh, Michael. Michael Harden and Kobe, the only Harden, three people yeah. that have averaged more points than what James, than what Joel Embiid is doing right now. And they're winning ball games. Him and Harden are turning into something special. It's actually working. Harden looks great. Looks really athletic and looks like he's got the spring back in his step. They have the, you know, a good group of, of, you know, the others as Shaq likes to call them. Did you see Shaq's nickname that he gave himself the other night? I missed it. Dark, dark Nowitzki. Love it so oh, much. Made, he made the the co-host call him that. Oh, Anyways, I, I think it's working. I think they've been lobbying for Embiid. Embiid's been lobbying for Embiid to win MVP for so long yeah. that I think it's time to give it to him. And you know, I know it's a regular season award, but I think he deserves it. If I was to vote right, but then if if you make an argument for Giannis or Joker, I'm fine with either one of them. I don't think they're going to give it to Joker for a third year. I don't. Um, I think this is Embiid's year. What do you think? Yeah, I think the reason why it's it's been a really divisive, especially in like mainstream media with, uh, you know, some conversations that got a little elevated between JJ and Perkins and, and then just, you know, others 
uh, trying to chime in off of that uh, is because it's fucking close. It's a close, close call this year. And um, look, I, I know that we're, we're giant fans of, of Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons. And if, if those of you that haven't listened to it, Rosillo does a, a few minutes on what the MVP vote means to him as a voter. Right. And he talks about the people that are honored with the eligibility to vote on MVP and how seriously they take it and how much of a slap in the face it is to those people, regardless of who they are, male, female, whatever race, ethnicity, creed that they hold, that they would just vote for a guy because he looks funky or he's white or whatever, whatever category of reasoning is behind that thought from Perkins. I will say media generally covers white players much more heavily when they're succeeding uh, over the course of any sport than, than maybe others. Um, you know, for instance, like Jokic's coverage might be uh, more so on the national stage constantly than Joel Embiid. Uh, but the reasoning behind that is not just because he's white, he's doing historic things. He's averaging a triple double. Uh, and he was under his team was undefeated in two seasons when he was averaging a triple double for the last like 30 games or whatever it was. And they finally lost one recently where he did get a triple double. Uh, look, I think Embiid, Giannis, and uh, of course, Nikola Jokic, you know, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I don't have a vote at this point because it is splitting fucking hairs. Jokic has the best record in the Western conference and has had the best team in the Western conference all season. He has played 60 games. He's averaging 24, 12 and 11 and is setting records again after the records he beat last year in efficiency and plus minus, and, and then also raising the offensive efficiency of all of the team members that he has on his team. So I think if we're talking about what the definition of MVP is, that's how you determine who gets it this year. Uh, Joel Embiid's leading the league in scoring, just like you mentioned. He's also averaging 10 points a game uh, and a probably five, five assists, four assists, something like that, or 10 rebounds a game, excuse me, uh, four assists, five assists. He's shooting 85% from the free throw line, which is actually a stat that he's better than Nikola Jokic, which is usually kind of skewed. He is only shooting 35% from three while Jokic is at 40. But Embiid does bring more on the defensive end than anybody except Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? So this is where it gets really, really hard because Giannis is also playing tremendously, right? If we look at what he's doing and his and his team has now you know locked down the the one seed in the East after Boston was holding on to it for so long, uh, and and Giannis is averaging thirty one and a half points per game uh, and has played one less game than in Joel Embiid. So again, Jokic 60, Embiid 54, Giannis 53 games played. Uh, so not only is he averaging the 31, he's shooting 54% from the field. He's only at 29% from three, uh, but not far off of what Embiid is. And his free throw percentage is down to 66%, which we'd love to see higher, but he's averaging 11.9 rebounds just under Jokic and five and a, five and a half assists a game. So, I think the interesting thing about what I'm hearing when people are arguing for MVP is people say Embiid should win it over Jokic because he's better defender. But then no one says Giannis is actually the better defender than Embiid. So it, it is, it's one of those things, man, where this is, this is why we have voters. This is, it's, this is why it's not one man's decision or one woman's decision on who makes MVP. We have elected journalists that have been somewhat accredited and honored by the NBA with this responsibility, and we trust that they're going to choose, choose who they 
truly believe is the MVP based on the games that they watched, based on the statistics, and based on the eye test. Did Ryan and Bill say who they, who they would vote for? Both of them have Jokic. Both of them do? Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's fair. That's fine. And I think that's fair. Damn. Yeah. That, that... It, it, look, you could make a case for the 16 wins in a row for Milwaukee this season as the most important and impactful period of any stretch for any team this season. And I don't think you would be wrong. And if that's the case, uh, the reason to argue against Giannis is because Milwaukee did that without him on the court for some for some of those games. He was a part of m- most of them. But it, there's probably four, maybe five games where he was uh, not suited up for injury or played a little bit and then had to come out because he got banged up. So the argument against Giannis in that sense is that his team is really fucking good, right? <laughs> and then and then the ox- the opposite for that is Jokic is the exact opposite. When Jokic goes out for a game or whatever, the Denver Nuggets just absolutely tank, oh, tank, right, tank, right. right? And we saw a similar pattern with, with uh, Embiid where he, he missed a game and Paul Reed just went off for the, for the game of his life and they beat Miami and then Embiid comes back and they get thrashed by Miami in the next game. So, you know, it's one of those things, man, where, where, like I said, in the beginning, all three guys for maybe, maybe the first time in my lifetime that I can remember three legitimate MVP candidates where I was like really torn. It's this year. And I think the thing that's going to be holding Nikola Jokic back, where I do think actually my guess is Embiid will win the MVP from the voters uh, because of voter fatigue, because they did not let James Harden win uh, another one. They did not let Giannis win three in a row, and they're not going to let Jokic do it because it's like Magic and Bird <laughs> and and Larry and uh, and Michael. They always, they always, always, always talk about the championship aspect of that. Uh, and I don't think that's fair because it's a regular season award. But mm, do you think I don't, part, do you I, think, I think, part, I think people will just be like, we're for whatever reason, like Jokic is great. He might be the MVP, but we're not going to vote for him for MVP because he doesn't deserve to be in the category of those three guys. Do you think Perk was out of pocket for that whole JJ interview on first take? Because I was watching it live and that shit got heated real fast. And I'm really, I mean, we've had this conversation. I really like JJ. I think JJ's doing yep. fabulous work and there is time, uh, you know, not just with perk with everybody, even us sometimes where it's like, all right, I'm going to say this because you know, it's a good, it's a good point, but I just thought he was out of pocket on that. And I thought he wasn't ready for JJ and the rebuttal on that. And JJ yeah, wants he clearly wasn't stuff. ready. He clearly wasn't ready for the rebuttal because he just started to yell and get defensive, which is what everyone does when they're not ready for a rebuttal. Right. <laughs> but look, man, I think there is an emotional aspect to this. And I and I'm I'm okay with it being emotional. Uh Kendrick Perkins played in the NBA. He was a was a great, great teammate for a lot of years on different various teams and was a great role player for those teams at times, uh, just as JJ Reddick was. But I, I, I think it does get a, it, it, it minimizes the respect that should be given to the voters. Now, maybe the bigger picture, and, and if I was Kendrick Perkins, I would have probably tried to pivot to like, well, who, what can we see the list of voters mm-hmm. and how many of those voters either played basketball ever uh, or played in the NBA or are, uh, or are diverse people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities and then we can start we can start looking at that right which which would be a fair conversation to have like 
are are the majority of the voters white? I think they might be. Yeah, but, that, but I don't I necessarily think, it, think that that would automatically trigger some sort of landslide vote one way or the other. Right. We've only ever had one unanimous MVP, and that was Steph Curry. Every single other MVP was given at least one or two given to somebody else. That's why it's a vote. That's why it's great. Yeah, I think his numbers weren't right, though. Like, I no, think they he weren't just right. came up with 80%, and they're like, wait, where? Like, who told you that? Yeah. So I just think when you're going to make a statement like that, you better have your facts in front yes. of you. And Correct. I, Correct. I just think sometimes especially with perk and he does say i he says some stuff that i agree with a lot but with that one i'm just like oh boy oh boy and Stephen a didn't he, Stephen a just let him let him go at it for a minute even he didn't want to touch that which was pretty impressive to me but um anyways you got any flowers for me drew well you hold on flowers? who's your mvp who, if you had to pick one who i've already it? told you who is it it's Embiid. you like Embiid? okay i like Embiid. i mean i look i watching Giannis last night there's they're three totally different players, all three of those guys, right? And they get their buckets and their points and they play defense all different ways. Joker is just so phenomenal with making your teammates better, right? Everybody that everybody like careers have changed for Aaron Gordon, right? They've changed for Aaron Gordon playing with this guy. Uh the Bruce Browns, like everything changes when you play with a guy like Joker. And with Giannis even watching that game last night, like he has so many good players on his team. They have four solid fucking yeah. players on their team that are two way yep. players. All four of them, Middleton, Drew Lopez, who's just been, who's the perfect fit. We've said this so many times for Milwaukee. He has so many good players. Embiid is just so physically dominant and can do yeah. things. He he's got a crossover and a jumper and he could take the three point shot that he likes and he can get physical and, and, and body you and defensively. I think Giannis has him def defensively, but Embiid's right there, but you cannot yeah. scoff at 33 points a game. We, <laughs> you know, those players that I just mentioned, Harden, yeah. Kobe and Mike are the only ones that average more than that. That's, that's insane. It is historic. And, and then, and but in in one of those seasons, Harden was denied the MVP. This is what right, I'm saying. It's, it's a right. fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> like it's like what what are the parameters? It would just be great if we could like have them in a box and like okay, Embiid ticks all of these things, and then there's some sort of algorithm or score. I think we should ask Chat GPT who should be the MVP, and then we'll great roll with that idea. Great idea. I also think like people as voters you you hopefully don't have personal personal preferences you know like Correct. whether you like the player or not like it's hard not to like Giannis we've said this before it's hard to not like Steph Curry it's hard not to like Nicola right but for and whatever Embiid, I think Embiid's very like affable enjoyable funny kind of a guy he is and I just feel like in this race it's like who who do the people like more right mm. like who who's who do I just like more and I think what they want being that that Giannis and Joker both have the MVP trophy. I think they're going to give it to Embiid because when it's a toss up so. like this, it's just like close your eyes and pick. It can yeah. be any of them. So just and people like a new narrative. People, yes. you know, people like a new person. Right. That's what I want to say. Voter fatigue. If there's just something about the new like that's that's, you know, ingrained in our culture and society. Where, where we want to see the torch passed. We don't like back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions. We don't really like when the Warriors win a several in a row or no. the Spurs or the Lakers or whoever, the Bulls. The Bulls was fun because, I mean, shit, right. I think every, everyone everyone liked that part. But, uh, but, you know, people hated when the Pistons won back. It, it, it's, it, there is, a, there is a, a, a need sometimes within our culture for new. 
which is why it, I feel bad for Jokic too, right? Because like if he did enough to earn MVP two years in a row, even though he didn't really give a shit and didn't really want it, mm. last year was was uh, potentially questionable because they finished in the sixth seed, but it was undoubtable that he was the best player all season right. last year. I do think this is fun though, Clips, and it's supposed to be fun. And this is something that Simmons touched on as well, is like the fun in that moment when it get when it gets that serious the fun is lost it's supposed to be a fun thing to like pick your guy for mvp instead of having to be like well i guess i think i'm a Jokic guy but i don't want to say it out loud because people are gonna get mad at me it's like dude fuck that man this is supposed to be a fun thing it is fun and i think it's a great like if i'm adam silver while i don't like the controversy or the you know the, maybe the the negative tension around this particular award i'm loving that there's three guys that that legitimately would be MVPs, I think, in most other seasons. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, I like the loyalty part of it where it's like Giannis has done so much for that organization, you know, drafted by the organization, played for him for years. Same shit with Embiid. Embiid has survived. And Jokic. And Joker, that the, all three of these guys, you know, Embiid sur- has survived, you know, the injuries early. He's survived the the Ben Simmons stuff. He's he's made it now to the Markel Fultz stuff. He's just come a really long way. And the NBA, the Philly is such a great NBA town as well. I just think when it is this close, Drew, and yes, it is so much fun. And I also really like it when, you know, I, I wish the playoffs were involved in this you know, in, in the voting process, because if you get bounced first round and Embiid goes to the finals, you know what I mean? That's the most valuable player. So if I had a vote, which I don't, maybe one day we will drew, but I, I, I would, I would vote for Embiid right now. How about you? Yeah, I, this is where I'm happy. I don't have a vote. Um, (laughs) I, I think, I think it's still Jokic. He's averaging a triple double Embiid only is averaging four assists. Giannis five and a half. And beats barely cracking 10 rebounds. Uh, Jokic is only scoring 24 points because he doesn't need to score more. Um, I think Giannis's team is too good. And I think, I do think it truly does come between Jokic and Embiid. And I'm happy with either one. I really am. I'm happy with, I don't have a dog in this fight. Right. Me either. I, I think Jokic is just kind of special. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. I also just want Embiid to get one so we can stop talking about this every year. Just get him one. The guy's fucking great, right? He's a great basketball player. And he's he is exactly. He is. He is he is a great basketball player. That's undeniable. But the most valuable player to every one of those teams is probably Joker. See, right. this is where shit gets crazy. That like their whole the whole offense runs through a seven foot center. Right. And again, he makes every, he makes every <laughs> player better. I don't think Giannis makes his play, his players better. I don't nope. think, I don't think uh, Embiid makes his players better. He doesn't. He Joker helps makes- on the defensive side. He helps them get better. Embiid right. and Giannis both make their team better on the defensive side, but right. it's not, not on the offensive side. And, and, you know, it, this would be one, another example of like, Let's give the MVP to not Giannis and we'll give defensive player of the year to Giannis. He's going right. to rack up more defensive player of the year awards than anybody else. I, I guarantee it. Right. That makes sense. Uh, you got any flowers for me, Drew? So I'm going to do uh, something a little different for the flowers this week clips. Okay. Um, because these, you know, I've done this. Maybe, maybe not entirely different because I have done this once. These are, these are going to be more condolence flowers. Oh. These are flowers for like, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. And it's ankle roll season clips. I mean, this, it, it is the season of ankles rolling all over the place. Uh, so I'm going to give some flowers out to these guys that rolled their ankle 
and have ankle sprains and that can't get on the court because there's a lot of them. First one, LeBron James gets a flower, of course. D'Angelo Russell gets a flower, even though he's back. That was a weird one. LaMelo Ball gets a flower because he broke his ankle. That was nice. Uh, Kevin Durant, who I don't understand how it's possible that he did what he did. He just went up for a very casual dunk, and then his his whole ankle just said, nah. I'm going to tell you why, Drew, and this is coming from a former NBA ball boy. You got to mop up the floor even during shoot-around. It's a big deal. Got to do it. Got to do that. Yeah, so I think Kaminga also would be uh, recommending a wipe down on the floor yes. uh, during shoot around. So uh, Kaminga gets a flower. Brandon Ingram gets a flower. Benedict Matherin gets a flower. Anthony Simons, who is also now back, but but rolled his ankle. Mo Bamba gets a flower. My boy. And Larry Nance Jr. gets a flower. That's all the guys in the last maybe two weeks. All those guys rolled their ankle, except for maybe Anthony Simons. That might have been a little bit fur- like further back. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ladies and gentlemen, ten ankle rolls in the last fourteen days. So, ball boys, let's get out there and let's do your jobs. Do your gentlemen, damn job, guys. NBA players, let's double tape. Let's just double tape those ankles up. Let's get a brace out there. Let's look like Steph Curry in twenty thirteen, uh, because we need some protection. Uh, so I'm I'm sad to see it, but hopefully all those guys that matter to their teams for the playoffs will be returning, especially. LeBron James and uh, Kevin Durant. The condolence flowers is something new on the follow through podcast. I like that, Drew, because flowers, you can give flowers in all different occasions. You know what I mean? People need flowers. I got flowers. I'm going to give them out. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm giving my flowers this week to uh, the only one that deserves them this week. And it's the evil Jamal Murray, the big body, (laughs) Roddy, David Roddy on Memphis, man. You know, situations are a big deal. You know, the Memphis was just dealt. I'm sorry, dude. The evil Jamal, dude, that is so funny. <laughs> it's the evil, evil Jamal, Jamal Murray. Murray. That yeah. is, he totally looks like, <laughs> like, like Wario. Remember War- Wario, Wario to Mario, that guy. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so, that is so good. Well, he's just such a different kind of NBA player. Now look, situations, Memphis has been dealt a bad hand the past couple of weeks, you know, with Brandon Clark going down, Jaw's going to be out for a while. Sometimes you need players on your team that are going to step up next man up. Right. And then this guy comes, who's just totally different than every other NBA player. The guy's six, four, two He should be playing. Have you seen this guy run the floor? Yeah. It's insane. He was a football and- player. Definitely a football player. His hair's flying all over the place. Yeah. You know, he was good. A, he was a good player at Colorado State. But he's a big boy. He hit his, his career high 24, then came back with a 19, uh, 19 points the following night. I just, you got to give these guys the flowers. It was a big night for him. Evil Jamal Murray, big body Roddy, whatever you want to call him. But he's getting my flowers this week. And I don't want to give Memphis any more props because I'm really over <laughs> Memphis, too. Like, I think Dylan Brooks is purposely just trying to piss off everybody, like literally everybody. He's blowing kisses last night. He's really embracing this yeah. villain role. Uh, I know we talked about him as Austin 3 for 16 last week, which was a great one. But, yeah, kind of um, over Memphis. But I'm big on uh, big body Roddy, man. Roddy is 6'6", 255. So it's even more impressive. That's what I said. I thought I said 6'4", 255. You said 6'4", 225. Which no, is- I said 55. That's what I meant. All right. We'll check the tape. Okay. 6'4", 225 is what I would like to be uh, here shortly in the uh, in the near future. I've been I packed on the winter pounds clips. You and I both, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do like – I like David Roddy. Uh, another very savvy draft. Uh, they, Memphis knows what they're doing. The front office is picking good, good draft guys, good rookies. 
Um, are we doing final thought? I, I yeah, let's do one because mine's Oops. mine's insane. Oh, good. Mine's quick. So I'll, I'll uh, first and foremost, uh, a couple podcasts ago, uh, when we were talking about my guy Jared Vanderbilt, during the during which I gave him the flowers. Uh, I mean, really, the 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 glue to this Lakers organization now is his name is Jared Vanderbilt, and we we realized that he doesn't really have a nickname. Vandalorian is what eh. was what was publicly announced. So clips, I came up with one. It took me a little while, but I got it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Vanderbilt different. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's Vanderbilt long. different. It's long, but it's not as confusing as Vandalorian, man. Right. You know, that's that it's long, but Vanderbilt different. That's my guy. I, I actually love it. It's a long one. It's definitely it long. a long one. It won't fit on the back of the jerseys, but, but it also drew it if this. This is how I see that working is I see him hopefully having a huge game in the playoffs. Maybe it's that play in game where Vanderbilt gets 20 and 18. Right. And then yeah. on our next podcast, we have a great piece of artwork that will be uh, Jared Vanderbilt different. It'll take oh, yeah. up a lot of real estate on the, on the page, but I, well, love you can it. drop, you can drop the Jared though. Oh, Maybe yeah, that, that'll shorten down some of the characters there for you, but yeah, Vanderbilt different. It's the best that I could do. I tried to, you know, fuck around with a lot of different things, but uh, like the Vandy man, like the candy man, yeah, Vandy man. It's not bad. Vandy man. I don't, but you know, I don't know. He's more like grit, like Vanderbilt different. That's, it seems fit him, fit his personality, the way he plays a little bit better. I, I actually like it. So let's, let's see what our listeners think if they like that, the Laker fans at least. My flowers drew, I mean, excuse me, my, my final thought is it's borderline stupid. Okay. Like okay. <laughs> the, the more I think about it, but I mean it, it's in my gut and I try to convince myself out of it, but look, call me crazy. This is half, this is half final thought, half spicy take. All right. Oh. Hear me out on this. We've talked about Wimbenyama a lot, right? Tank for Wimbo. Everybody's talking about him. We he's on freaking league pass every day playing. I get it. The guy is extremely talented, generational talent. I get it. Seven four, the new version of KD. I'm. This is not to discredit Wembo at all. But if I if I'm not the San Antonio Spurs or Houston Rockets, getting that first pick, I really think teams should, should consider Scoot Henderson as the number one pick in the draft. I think this kid yeah. is so NBA ready and ready. Like this is the, the NBA isn't trending towards seven foot, foot four guys, right. That are just balling out of control. I've watched scoot a lot lately as, as a lot of people. And there was something that happened in that, even in that all-star, the rising stars game where it's like, this guy was, wasn't there to fuck around and be in yeah, he was there to play. He's there to hoop. Right. <laughs> and he shows up to hoop. Yeah. And I just think he's 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 ready for the NBA right now. He's built. If you look at all the best players in the league right now, minus the big guys, right? Like Scoot is built for this new NBA. Yeah, and he looks I like just, a football player too. 100%. Like a linebacker. I think the mentality's there, right? And yeah. I think with Wembo, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think with Wembo, he's getting a lot of pub. Everybody's talking about him. Uh he might be going into this thinking that he's much better than he he is and Again, I don't need to say it. Like I'm not discrediting. Seven four can shoot defensive, yeah. defensively very good. He's a lock at the number one pick. I'm just saying that I think 
teams, depending on who gets that first pick. Like if you're Orlando, you don't necessarily need Wembo. You probably would, would take Wembo. But like some of these guys, like Charlotte, right? You take Wembo. But some of these other teams, man, you might really want to look at Scoop because I think, and I know I'm, I was may, maybe a little off with my Jaden Ivy. We don't know yet. My Jaden Ivy call. <laughs> Ivy's been great. Premature. Could have been a little premature. That's all. Could have. But what do you think? Am I crazy for this or no? Look, no one's going to take Scoot Henderson over Wen Benyama. I think, I think we, I think you know that in, deep down in your heart of hearts. I think you okay, understand. but wouldn't you rather looking back? Wouldn't you have rather taken Kevin Durant than Greg Oden? And I'm not saying that that that, that Wembo is Oden, right? Looking back at it, you would totally. I just think this kid. I think people should at least consider it. Because I think moving forward in this new NBA, the next ten years, going you know moving forward, yeah. let's look I, at it. Let's look. Let's look at it like this. Would you have rather drafted Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook? Kevin Durant. Bingo. Mm-hmm. I think that's the and and while you're right, the NBA isn't necessarily trending to having seven foot four guys running around. It is has been if you look historically <laughs> trending in that direction since the 70s where you know the average height of the nba player was like six foot five in the 70s and the average height of the nba player is closer to six nine or six ten now uh i do think and and also with you know chet holmgren and uh, you know some guys we see a lot of guys that look more and more like oh, kevin durant except they're taller and taller i i hear what you're saying though i think scoot henderson is is uh, of the the three now, I think a lot of people have uh, Miller out of uh, Alabama potentially over Scoot Henderson because he's kind of like a Paul George-ish kind of a guy, 6'9", has it all. But of the three, Scoot is absolutely the most NBA ready because he's had two years playing against G League grown fucking men on a minimum wage that are earning their trip to the NBA. Those guys aren't out there playing for 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 you know just casual just having fun those dudes are trying to cash paychecks they're trying to feed themselves their families and that is grown fucking basketball out there yes for those of you that are you know die hard into the g league and you watch a couple games you go like well actually drew i don't know how hard they're playing every night most nights most nights and it's certainly harder than the average nba team plays on an average wednesday night uh, in the regular season as well so scoot has been having to do that for two years now and physically of course uh you know he's just he's got it all right like he looks like anthony edwards kind of same build right like anthony edwards came in just like yoked just ready to go and uh i think scoot if it if he goes second if he goes third whoever gets him can at least in the short term not have to worry about the chet holmgren of it all right The, the 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 greg odin of it all where you draft a guy and oh shit he breaks his fucking toe or he breaks a bone in his foot, or he has a problem with his ankle. That's uh, that's certainly more insurance, right? But it, the the most recent one is Zion and Ja, which is what we've talked about in the past too. And you know, Zion, I think most teams would have taken Zion, and you know, who who would have necessarily known that he was going to be as injury prone as he was with his size? Yes, he was carrying a lot of weight, but he's a much more manageable six foot, whatever, eight, six, seven, whatever he actually is. Um, so you, you hope that injuries don't ever decide careers, especially for young men. Uh, I don't see Victor Wenbenyama having an issue with injuries as of yet, but when you're that size, it's always going to be in the rear view. Yeah. It's not a good track record for, for, for footers, right? 
Yeah. So it, it was just something while I was watching his game the other night. I'm just like, damn, this it, this kid's freaking good, man. He's very, very solid. I and I think, you know, where like we say, wherever he goes, I hope he doesn't go to Houston. I hope he doesn't go to Orlando or Charlotte. I hope like if 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 I could pick if I could pick for them, I, I don't know why, but I in my older days, I've become very fond of the San Antonio Spurs and Popovich. I would love Popovich to get one of those two guys, right? If he can't get Wembo, let's get him Scoot and uh, let's watch what he can do, build around that kid. Well, that's basically what I'm saying. If San Antonio gets the number one pick, I definitely, you take Wembo, right? A hundred percent. I'm just saying that, like, I think some GMs are going to consider it, I think. Yeah, they should. If you're a fucking GM and you're not doing the due diligence right. of looking at the second pick, then right. yeah, you probably should be fired. <laughs> so they should they should actually have like, you know, a red team, blue team exercise where the red team is on Wembo and the blue team's on Scoot or whoever they want as their second. If, if they do a yellow team for Miller and then everyone hash out all the good things about it. And then, you know, you work that way. I, hopefully they're doing some version of that in uh, in boardrooms in, in those six cities. <laughs> Drew, I gotta. I have to go wash out my eye. It's it's yeah. literally pussing right now. I'm also jealous oh, of your ring light. I know, dude. It's so gross. But we do this for the people, man. We have to get through these shows. Um, hopefully next week, I'm fully off of the ledge. Clippers are going to be on a huge roll. We're going to be That's in right. that fifth spot, holding down the five spot. Right. That's what I'm shooting for. Lakers will be in the seven. Yeah, that's what we're. That's what you're going for. Yeah, I mean, if we win tonight. Uh... We could definitely be in. We could be in the eight seed by the next time that we see each other here. I'm so team. nervous that you're gonna you're gonna finish the season better than the Clippers, and we're gonna be bumped. We're gonna be bumped out of the playoffs by the fucking Lakers. I was blown away when we looked at the standings the other night, and it was Clippers eight, Lakers nine. I was like, get the fuck out of here! Unbelievable, <laughs> bro. This, incredible. This cannot be my life, it's man. Th- that cannot happen. To I will officially retire from this podcast. Anyways, yeah. we'll be, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, my eye will be better, Drew. Uh, Keep the light on. Say hi to the wife for us. We'll be back next week. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghost.